You're listening to Megiddo Radio. Megiddo Radio is a radio ministry of Megiddo Media. For more, visit our website at megiddoradio.com. That's megiddoradio.com. Welcome, this is Paul Flynn with Megiddo Radio for Thursday, the 21st of October, 2021. Thank you all for tuning in. Finally, um, for those of you listening live uh, via the megiddoradio.com forward slash live link, uh, this program is about 22 minutes late. Apologies for that. Um, Spent the last 10 minutes looking for a wire (laughs) that I didn't know was disconnected. And uh, yeah, there was... um, so. You know, couldn't really start without that. There was no audio in one of the feeds, and um, that wouldn't have been too good. So, hope you're all doing well. Now, we're gonna we're going to try this approach for a while, and hoping that it's just going to be easy. Um, not every program. I I'm going to. I, I quite enjoy doing live programming, but I also like just the quickness of if I don't want to record a a video or whatever there's going to be stuff going up to YouTube from now on but I don't know this seems to be a bit of a trend you know with the algorithm and YouTube and things like that it just doesn't seem to be worth the the time and stuff like that and I think what's going to happen on YouTube there's going to be just shorter videos segments from the program will be going up on YouTube I think YouTube is just kind of it's just, you know, people know the way that is. And I just think um, podcasting and audio content, it would be better spent focusing on towards that. So uh, please keep us, keep the program in your prayers. And um, we're going to try from next week to have two of these live programs up Tuesday, 6 p.m. Now, the new schedule is going to be 6 p.m. Uh, I'm gonna have to change it on the website. Apologies, it's not it's not changed on that. Tuesday, six p.m. Thursday, six p.m. Now, there's gonna be times when I can't do those slots uh, for various reasons, and whenever I can't do those slots, it, the the program's just gonna be canceled. So, um, and the live and then the live program is gonna be just available on Sermon Audio, only to be just listened to, like you would listen to any radio program or things like that. And uh, hoping it's okay. I know I miss, I know people will probably miss the interactive side of the YouTube chat. Um, I wish there was a way to keep that going in some way, shape, or form, but it's just, um, it's it's just a lot of juggling between the t- different platforms. And um, I just think that this way works better. If you've got any questions, radio um, at gmail.com and I'll try my best to answer them. On today's program, we're going to be dealing with um, a sad topic, topic you didn't really want to deal with, but um, it's going to be looking at Todd White. Todd White is a well-known, charismatic teacher, preacher. Um, I think the name of his church is LC Church, Living Christianity Church. And there's a clip that has emerged that he has he has been dealing with shall we say second corinthians 5:21 and we're going to be dealing with that after first of all for tonight's program what i'm going to do is i'm going to read through by way of devotion um before we get into the main part of our section we've been doing kind of a devotional section at the beginning of our program um for the last while, and I think it's good to keep that going. I just feel that I'm going to change the opening just to be, I'll still be reading, and I might even put in some psalm singing, stuff like that at times here and there, but I'm going to pick sections of scripture that are linked in with the topic going to be covered, and the the, the scripture I'm going to read tonight is 
from 2 Corinthians chapter 5. I'm going to read the entirety of the chapter and um, that the Lord would ground us, that we would understand the chapter. Of course, Todd White covered this recently, and we're going to critique that in a second. But before we get into this, um, let let us pray to God that, that God would help us to understand this wonderful part of Scripture. Uh, for he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him to understand that properly, to understand carefully, and um, may the Lord bless us as we as we read through. Um, we're going to start our reading from verse 12. So let's, let us pray before Almighty God. Heavenly Father, please bless this reading of your word. Help us to be grounded in the truth and that we would glorify your name in all we do. Bless those listening through sermon audio and lord we pray that you would bless those listening also to the program afterwards and we pray O oh lord that it would help people to grow closer to you we pray also lord for those who don't know you who are perhaps listening in through curiosity and have stumbled upon this program have never heard of this program before we pray O oh lord that they would know what it means to be the righteousness of Christ in him, that they would know what it means to have their sins forgiven and that they could stand before you just and forgiven and seen as just before God based on the merits of Christ. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12 onwards. And actually, um, just to let you know one other thing, I'm going to get open radio at gmail.com. And who knows, this might become, yeah, actually, I, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going I'm to open up that email. And if anybody wants to email me during the program, I'll, I'll just have the email in front of me and um, hopefully won't miss it. <laughs> uh, probably got too many things open in front of me. And... Uh, that way, if you've got any questions during the program, hopefully we can keep that part of the program going. So, Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12, let us hear God's word. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf, that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves... It is for God. Or if we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us. Because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all. And those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Now all things are of God, who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ, and has given us the, recon the ministry of reconciliation, that is, that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses to them, and has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ, as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin, to be a sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. And may God bless his holy and infallible word. So, the title of the clip we're going to be looking at today on the program, and quite likely 
a section of the program, if not this entire section from now on, will be probably put up uh, just for the benefit of people on YouTube. I won't put up the entire program, but put up a section of it. Um, that we would um, see what is wrong with, with what Todd White, a number of people have commented on it already, but um, for the benefit of those who haven't heard it, um, it's easy with people like Todd White and other people like that just to kind of, well, they're fringe, they're this, they're that. But uh, you do meet people when you... For somebody who is in Reformed churches quite often, for someone who is probably in a Reformed bubble, it's easy for us to just pretend that this is only in certain fringes. And even if it is in certain fringes or whatever... Hopefully, it can bless whoever. But this this guy, Todd White, is very very popular. He's he's very well known. Um, he's even gained credibility among people like Michael L. Brown, and uh, who's respected quite a bit. We've dealt with things relating to to Michael Brown before on the program. So it is not like. Just trying to bring up some of the details for his church. It's LC Church, if I'm not mistaken. Because you'd be surprised how many people you come across. So, okay, there's the Lifestyle Christianity website. And... He is classified as the... Seems to be a couple of churches, Rise Nation Church. I don't know if that's just an off. It seems to be kind of um, an offshoot of it. And um, Tom White's known for kind of going around, quote unquote, healing people. You know, lengthening their legs, and these are power tricks and they're, they're deceptions. And they are things that have been shown. There was a professional hypnotist years ago. Um. It doesn't mean that I prove the methods how we came to these conclusions, but um, the information's out there. Darren Brown, who's a hypnotist, not a Christian, but he trained a guy who had no background in this to be able to go out in the streets and perform all these tricks and these hypnotic suggestions and things like that. And this man who was able to do it. Certain personalities are able to do it, learn these tricks and be able to convince people. Oh, you've got a burning in lower back and all this kind of stuff. And this is the kind of thing that um, Todd White is known for. Okay, we'll, we'll start playing this one. Jesus became sin on a tree. This is the video we're going to be critiquing. I want you to understand that when I approach people that are in the world, it's hard for me, for me as an evangelist to talk about the twistedness of sin because I know that they're blind and they can't see it. So I'm not trying to come over the top and judge people and hammer them. Are you with me? I love people. So I, I need to be very careful in my conversation with people to not come over the top and hammer them. I sit beside atheists all the time on planes. I, I, I'm, I talk to them everywhere I go. But there was something so beautiful about Jesus. And look, there's something really commendable about that, of course. And we should be that way. We should be willing to talk to people and share the gospel wherever possible. Um, that's not a problem, and that's something that we should seek to do. The problem is, what are you sharing? Is it actually the gospel? And it, you know, largely it's not from him that he was the holiest person on the planet and every lying prostitute, sinner, twisted tax collector wanted to hang out with him. And he didn't compromise truth because he was truth. And he talked about hell more than anybody else and the church pretty much dodges that word. Not all churches. But Jesus talked about hell more than anybody else. And I know, I'm like looking at his life saying, God, I need to be like, I need to be more like you. Jesus, you talked about hell more than anybody ever because you knew it was real. 
Now, I think what's attractive about the guy's ministry is he's very emotional. He's very, he seems very authentic. Um, the problem is if, and this is kind of an analogy, this is not unique to me. I was, I was listening to Justin Peters recently talking about, um, Todd White and, but you can be as sincere as you like, but if, if you don't have competency in your teaching, it's not going to help anybody. If, if what you're teaching is sending them in the completely wrong direction. If you, you could be as sincere as you like wanting, want to help, like, but if you go to somebody for medical issues, go to a doctor, but they don't know what they're talking about. Well, that's not going to help you very much. Go to, you know, you've got something broken in your car. You can be as sincere as you want, but you need a good mechanic who knows what he's talking about. And yes, we should seek people who are, quote unquote, emotionally invested, that, that they actually care. And that's rare these days. So somebody like this is more attractive today because quite often there can be a case, and it's legitimate, that they might feel like they go to churches and it ticks all the boxes theologically, but you could, you, you wonder if the, the man preaching cares at all and and they go through this and then they see passion in charismatic movement and this is often why we'll lose in the reformed churches not the only reason but one of the reasons why we'll lose a lot of young people partially it's due because they're not convinced of what they've been taught and things like that they may be genuine christians and everything else but they're not convinced of what they've been taught but then you know people leave reform churches and end up in very, very weak, charismatic churches. They might even necessarily agree with the churches at all, but they have that sense of community and everything else. So there's a certain sense of, yeah, we can just dismiss this, but we've also got to, we've got to work on our own stuff. He described lost people, Paul described lost people as filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, and malice. They're gossip, gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, and ruthless. That's in Romans. That's like incredible. Are you with me? I'm not glorying in that, but it's the real deal. In Romans 1, 29 through 31, he didn't describe non-believers as morally challenged, dysfunctional, or disoriented, but rather as disobedient. That's why they're in need of a savior. Not someone who would look the other way and wink at sin. And I've never seen him in his apparent love for unbelievers. I've never seen this being explained to them. He's all these videos online, lifestyle Christianity and all this kind of stuff on YouTube. And I don't see this come across. I don't see a gospel presentation because you've got to deal with somebody's sin. What are they being saved from? It's not from a low self-esteem because if you listen to him, when he gives gospel presentations, that's the, that's often the conclusion you would take away from that. But someone who would take our sin on his own shoulders, dying for us that we might live. Because let's never forget, because all this stuff, like when we say Jesus who knew no sin became sin so that we might become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus in Corinthians, right? Jesus became a gossip, a murderer, full of strife, deceit, and malice. It wasn't in his mouth. It was on his body. Oh. Now, here's where it goes into Terribleville. Now, again, it's because, often because, oh, people see sincerity, or this, what they claim is sincerity, people see 
somebody has helped them in the past, so they think, well, how, how dare you criticize this person? Aren't you nitpicking and all this kind of thing? Um, yeah, but the nitpicking is anything that they, they agree with being challenged. We should expect competency in the gospel in order for somebody to teach the gospel, to be a leader, to, be, to, sh to feed the sheep of God. It says here in 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 21, For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Now, for he made him who knew no sin to be the sin for us. Now, he's making out, here's the, the problem what he's saying. He is making out that Jesus on the tree became unholy. He became unrighteous. He became blemished. Well, there, that, that destroys all the ceremonial law and all everything pointing towards him. Because the offering, the sin offering, was holy. Unblemished. Without spot. Yes, he takes the punishment and he's offered up for sin, but it's not laid on his body. He doesn't become sin. This is... I had to listen to it a few times just to kind of get my head around exactly what he was saying, but it, it is... I had to kind of like, I listened to it a couple of times wondering, is this just a blunder? Now, it is a blunder. Is this just, you know, him stumbling over words? and No, this teaching cannot be in any way allowed to continue in any church for any length of time. It destroys the holiness of Christ. Just even looking at the English. We'll look at the English first, then, then we'll look at the Greek. For he made him who knew no sin to be, and to be is um, supplied by the translators. Here, this is the NKJV. Sin for us, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. So, we might become the righteousness. So, whatever has happened to him, has happened to us. Do we become righteous in our standing because of our body? See, if you're going to be consistent with this, you'd have to say that if that happens to Jesus, that happens to us. There is a glorious exchange that does take place, but it is based upon a doctrine of imputation. It is accredited like we are still sinners. We are viewed as just before God, but we're sinners. We're not in our body. We're not in our person. We have still broken the law. But because of our standing in Christ, we don't become righteousness. We don't become all these kind of perfect ontologically ontologically i don't want to lose anybody here but in our in our person in our being in our being so let's look at let's look at the greek because i think the greek would help um so literally the greek is like this right so we have it translated here, for he. For he. And he here is, it could be also the one, ton. Tongar, so for him or the one, for the one, not knowing sin. 
for the one not knowing sin. This is obviously referring to Jesus. For us, or kind of in our place, huper hemon, sin, hamartion. So, for us, sin. He made. So, and and that's from the verb poel. So, he is a sin... For us. Now, the explanation given by Tawa is impossible. Because it is by imputation. He took the punishment of our sin. He didn't take the filth of our sin. He took the consequences of our sin. He satisfied justice due to our sin, but not in any way became unblemished. So it says, Hina, which is so that in order that we might become or become. Uh, the righteousness, right, the uh, kaiosune of God in Him. Again, this is by rep- representation. Because if you're saying that He took sin on His body, He became sin, He became unholy. This is the blasphemous thing that Todd White is saying here, and it is blasphemous then we become righteous and we become in God. And what would you have for the, the rest of the verse? Oh, and you say, well, what sense is there to be made sin? Made sin in the sense of made an offering. I'm just going to look. You, know, the, you, you think of the, the sacrificial offering in the Old Testament. Um, this is what Charles Hodge said. He made him who knew no sin to be sin for us. The Greek here is, um, I don't know how many, how many people listening know, but he, he's looking at the Greek here. Our Lord is presented as one whom God contemplated as free from sin, and yet he made him sin. Others understand the may get on to as referring to Christ himself as one having no consciousness of sin. Of the again, a necessary judgment of believers, he whom he knew was free from sin. Um, so he, he says, okay, there's different views. In either case, the thing here asserted is that Christ was without sin. This was one of the indispensable conditions of his being sin for us. Had he not been free from sin, he could not have taken the place of sinners. Under the old dispensation, the sacrifices were required to be without blemish in order to teach the necessary the necessity of freedom from all sin in him who was to bear the sins of the world. See Hebrews 4, 15, 1 Peter 2, 22, 1 John 3, 5. He was made sin. May mean either he was made a sin offering or the abstract being used for the concrete. He was being made a sinner. So I think it's like he was made a sin. He took the punishment, whatever the case. He took the punishment. He took the penalty due to sin. He was treated judicially by the law as if he was a sinner. But he didn't become these things in that sense, in the sense that Todd White is saying here. Many of the older commenters prefer the former explanation. Calvin and almost all, this is Hodger, and almost all the modern adopt the latter. The meaning in either case is the same. For all your sense in which Christ was made sin is that he bore the guilt of sin. And in this sense, every sin offered was made sin. Sin offering was made sin. Hence, in the Hebrew scriptures, the same root is being used both for sin and a sin offering. 
This is the principal ground on which the explanation of hamartia here is the sense of sacrifice for sin is defended. The reason, however, against this explanation of the size. So he goes into a couple of other things as well. So it's in our place. And one explanation could be like that he was made a sin offering. But he, whatever the case, whatever we, we, we understand it, he took the penalty due in our place, sinless, spotless, holy at every point along the way, never, ever changing, not possible that it could change. And you see these doctrines with Todd White. You see these doctrines where aspects of his deity and other things change, even though he says that it doesn't. But we've done other programs on that before. Let's continue. Oh, you have to hear this, man. Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. Paul describes sin. Gossip, slander. Imagine Jesus as a gossip. You can't. He didn't do it. He became it. I'm like seeing this for the first time. Like I've read the scripture so many times when I'm seeing it and I'm like, you became gossip. (laughs) What? It's hard for us to think about it because Jesus never gossiped. But he became gossip. On the tree became gossip. On the tree became slanderer. Did he slander? No, he became it. Did he deserve it? Are you kidding? He never sinned. He, he was with the Father in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Jesus was always with God. It's blasphemous because he's claiming, he's claiming that, he, that this unblemished one, this spotless Lamb of God became corrupted. Didn't do it, but he's saying that it became corrupted. It's blasphemy. And again, I had to listen to it a few times, wondering, is this in in the blunder category of a text, of course, that must be must be handled very carefully? And if somebody's preaching through it, should be handled in such a way that people are coming away with the sense of God was the Lord Jesus Christ was punished in our place. And there's that exchange that takes place. His righteousness becomes our righteousness by imputation. And he took our punishment also by imputation. He was treated as if he had broken, but never, never took it on his body or anything else like this. None of the explanation that he's giving. God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, always together. It's crazy to see this. He became it. He became insolent. He became haughty. He became boastful. He became an inventor of evil. Jesus became an inventor of evil on that tree. Jesus became child pornography on the tree. Listen! Will the, the people who used to promote him in the past, was it Francis Chan, Michael Brown, will they say anything about this? Will, or will this be conveniently ignored as well? Well, time will tell, but... Jesus became full of pornography on the tree. Jesus became a thief on the tree. Jesus became addiction on the tree. Jesus became a hater of God on the tree. What does it mean for him to become sin? Jesus became lost on the tree. So I think, (laughs) yeah, I think for the sake of everybody's, uh, I don't know if I can continue playing that just because of the nature of that and the nature of how bad that is. And I don't really think it, it, it's really necessary to go any further. Um, I'm probably going to put this up on YouTube and hopefully people who are 
being led by him will start to see through him. But if if this doesn't do it, I I just you just wonder what will. Um, look at we're gonna look at a few texts here. Hebrews chapter five verses twelve onwards. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the first principles of the oracles of God, and you have be have come to need milk, not solid food. For everyone who partakes only of milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness. Unskilled. For he is a babe. Now, I'm not even saying I've seen any credible profession of faith in the man. I haven't. But he's certainly unskilled in basic principles in order to be a teacher. Verse 14, But solid food belongs to those who are full age, that is, those who reason the use of their senses, exercise to discern both good and evil. Good and evil. Now, ordinarily, I would have played, I think years gone by, I would have played through, I just, I just, I'm kind of like, I was going to do the entire clip, I'm not going to do it, I'm just, it, it just grieves me too much. I think we have to take away a few things here. Might just, might just do for the remainder of the program just a few catechism questions rather than because I I don't think there's any benefit to seeing something this blasphemous on the I think there's enough been played is what four maybe five minutes been played and that's enough evidence to show the the blasphemy of what the man is saying. But we need to take away this. Jesus Christ, from all eternity, holy. Jesus Christ, at every second of his life, holy, fully God. True God. And not for one single moment becoming unholy. You see... Largely what this is based upon is bringing down God, what, to, to do what? To make sinners not feel uncomfortable. He gave this talk at the beginning, you know, that to talk to atheists and all this kind of stuff. Yeah, I, I, I get the attraction. And this is why you'll often find liberals and charismatics are often nicer because their main focus is upon centered around the fear of man. Now, it doesn't mean then that leaves us off the hook who are believers in Jesus Christ. We should be nicer. We, should, we, we shouldn't be so... But we struggle in these areas. But you just find liberal churches and other churches like this and whatever who teach bad doctrine. It, it is centered around men, so centered around men. Of course, they're going to be nice. So just because people are nice, sincere, maybe even have helped you in the past out of a drug past or whatever the case may be, it doesn't mean that they're orthodox and it doesn't mean that they're even truly loving, sadly. It can I know that there were certain people who were very influential in my early walk. Brian Head Welsh. I don't know if any, any of you have ever, ever heard of Brian Head Welsh. Very much in the charismatic movement. He was on the 700 Club after his conversion. Or at least what I hope was his conversion. I'm have massive question marks over his conversion since. But I digress. Whatever the case may be, his testimony of how he came out of, um, he was in a big metal band called Korn. He actually went back to them later on, but I digress. He left them. And I remember 
it struck me as an wow, this guy, oh, well, he became a Christian, and I was fascinated. And this is a few months before I got saved, and I remember watching that video over and over again. I think I'd seen his testimony like 30, 40 times. And I, and I believe the Lord used it. Or can use all sorts of things. It doesn't mean necessarily, therefore, definitely that the man is saved. I'm, I'm Even before I became a Christian, a Roman Catholic who was not converted, gave me a Mary medal, but this is before I was converted, but two months before I got saved, challenged me to read the Bible. <laughs> you, know, the, you know, people use the oh, God, you definitely use this as the instrument. Well, God used Cyrus and Darius and Arxaxerxes during the restoration of the people of God from exile. Not one of them was a believer in Jehovah. Not one. Yet Cyrus was prophesied over 100 years before in the book of Isaiah. So just because God uses someone, something, or whatever, does not mean that the Orthodox or anything else like that. But Brian Head Welsh kind of replaced one high with another. He kind of replaced, he got around, I think it was a John Crowder, you know, getting high in the Holy Spirit, blasphemous stuff. Really weird stuff. Stuff that probably better not to know about in some ways. But went in that direction. So I know what it's like. You know, you feel these people were instrumental in your conversion. Therefore, you want to follow them wherever they take you. And this happens with a lot of people. And I get it. You're, you're, you're so grateful to that person for having led you to the Lord. And maybe, maybe you're listening to this and maybe Todd White has led you to the Lord and maybe you have become an actual Christian. But it's in spite of what he's saying, not because of it. Now, the, the, the most important thing in the world is that you know the true Christ of the scriptures and that you tremble before him and that you fear him and that you're in Christ Jesus, that Jesus Christ, because you, you know that Jesus Christ took your punishment and suffered in your place and how do you know that? Because you trust in him and you've been born again, regenerated the spirit of God. You seek after him and you love him. That's the most important thing. Not even what you think of Todd White. However, it is important because this teaching is dangerous. It, it, it will send people to hell. If you believe in a Christ who has, who is not, unblemished, or is not holy at every single point, is not deity, is not God Almighty at every single point, then he can't save you. And that has real world and eternal consequences. So this must be pointed out. Because you're going to come across plenty of people in church life, you're not going to agree with some of the teachers they read. I made peace years ago with the fact that John Piper, I have some problems with some of John Piper's teachings here and there, and I don't understand why he's popular, but he is. And I realized that the errors of John Piper are not carried on to these people. So I just, you kind of accept it. You've got to pick your battles. So... <laughs> Just for the next few minutes, we're going to go through a few questions of the Catechism. Again, I hadn't planned to do this, and I'm just, I debated whether even to cover Todd White tonight. I, I've done programs on him before, and I'm sure, you know, if you did a whole two-hour special, did it live on certain things, controversy attracts people. And and it, and it's sad, and I'm kind of I'm kind of weary of that. Um, 
we we kind of swarm like flies around kind of a dead corpse when it comes to controversy. And I wonder how interested we are in Christ himself. And the 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 thing we got to be careful about when we're doing this kind of ministry, and I've certainly fell, fallen in this error, and I'm not without fault myself in the past, is that we're not trying to, aha, we've caught Todd White, yoo-hoo, and you're, you've, you know, you're, you're addicted to catching the heretics out, and boom. But the, the, the thing that grieves you the most is that anybody would believe this, and that you want to lead people to the truth away from error, and you want people to know Jesus Christ. And you don't want them to be influenced by this man. So hopefully the program has been a help. If you have, and if you have come away from Todd White and you just discover this and you don't know where to go or whatever, you can email me and we get a radio at gmail.com. I'm going to just dig up their, nope, no emails. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the program is early today, so I'm. I think a lot of people just don't know it is taking place right now. Now, for the next few minutes, just for a few minutes, we're going to look at um a few things about Christ's humiliation and his exaltation, and these are large catechism questions, and we're just going to look at a few of these things. Hopefully, they balance it out because. It's all well and good to be able to point out, you don't like Todd White, you don't like this person, you don't like that person, but what do you believe about Christ? What do you know about Christ? Do you love him? Is Christ enough? Does he satisfy you? Not the controversy online, but does he satisfy you? So, question 50, I'm not exactly sure, where did we finish the last, I think, we'll, we'll do question 50 anyway. Question 50 of the Lar Westminster Large Catechism, wherein consisted Christ's humiliation after his death? Christ's humiliation after his death consisted in his being buried and continued in the state of death and under the power of death until the third day, which hath otherwise expressed in the words, in these words, he descended into hell. Now, we actually dealt with that in the last program, if you want to more fully fleshed out explanation of that. Question 51, which we will explain more, more in more detail. What was the state of Christ's exaltation? So we, just to, so I don't lose anybody here, there's two states. You have the his, his state of humiliation and exaltation. Humiliation in the sense of, he is the glorious King of Kings and Lord of Lords, who spends an eternity spends eternity with his father in heaven enjoying the joys of heaven and must of necessity lower himself to suffer under in this world and also suffer death and suffer other things for and you have to remind yourselves for us as we read earlier for us it ever be, and by the way, never be, never becoming sin in the sense that Todd White talked about, because his body didn't know any corruption in the ground. By the way, if sin had kind of come on him, his his body would decay. He didn't. Without sin, perfectly, but treated, suffered as if he was a sinner. That's the sense to it understand it to go even deeper whether it's sin offering or other things whatever the case is he suffered in our place i think for the point of view of preaching i don't think that the minutiae are necessary as it kind of amounts to the same thing really so what was the estate of christ's exaltation so now he's exalted Question 51. What was the estate of Christ's exaltation? The estate of Christ's exaltation comprehendeth his resurrection, ascension, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and is coming again to judge the world. So, his resurrection, shown before the world to be victorious, 
to be sinless, spotless. No matter what all the people said about him, he was sinless, spotless, undefiled. And declaring that in his resurrection, he rose from the dead to show that he was righteous. He's been vindicated, shown to be victorious over death and hell and to have power over the grave. Exalted, no longer in a lowly state, shown to be, revealed to be in his glory. His ascension, that's part of his exaltation as well. He rose from the dead to show that the, the lies of the enemy who were there speaking against him, that he wasn't the... He wasn't the Messiah and all this kind of thing, showing that he was truly without blemish, truly holy, truly the Son of the living God, truly the Son of God, the only begotten, the unique and only Son of God, the monogenes, Son of God. So, And then he's ascended into heaven, sitting at the right hand of the Father, and he's coming again to judge the world. He's coming back with power. He's coming back not to suffer, but to judge the world. See, the, the Jews were all happy to read about, oh, you see, there's, there's this conquering king, and the, yeah, there is this conquering king, but they completely misunderstand how he's going to do it. And his, the glory that would come, it would come through suffering, it would come through his humiliation, so that because he suffered, because he went the way of the cross, because he had no sin, he knew no sin, then he would be raised from the dead, shown to be victorious, shown to be the sinless, spotless Lamb of God. And is coming again to judge the world. He's coming back as judge. And he's, he's going to come back and is going to be the wrath of Almighty God. So, question 52, probably the last one we'll do. Because, yeah, <laughs> um, it's probably like for my own sanity, not finishing the program off playing a lot of Todd White clips because um, we can we can point out bad stuff, but do we know the good stuff? Because Christ's honor is at stake. Isn't it? This is what should grieve us. And we should hope with Todd White and anybody listening to Todd White, believing in Todd White's material, who is unconverted, would come to know Christ, this Christ, the Christ who is sitting at the right hand of the Father and is coming in to judge the world. It, it, it should make any of us tremble if we have not embraced the true Christ. Question 52, how was Christ exalted in his resurrection? How was he exalted in his resurrection? Answer, Christ was exalted in his resurrection in that not having seen corruption in death, of which it was not possible for him to be held, and having the very same body in which he suffered with the essential properties thereof, but without mortality, and other common infirmities belonging to this life, really united to his soul. He rose again from the dead the third day by his own power, whereby he declared himself to be the Son of God, to have satisfied divine justice, to have vanquished death, and him that had the power of it, to be Lord of quick and dead, of which he did as a public person the head of his church, for their justification, quickening in grace, support against enemies, and to assure them of their resurrection from the dead at the last day.
So we're going to try and leave it at this positive point here um, as we look at this glorious truth. So how was he exalted in his resurrection? Christ was exalted in his resurrection in that not having seen the corruption of death. Okay. And he didn't seek the corruption of death because he wasn't a sinner. He didn't have sin on his body. He didn't decay. This isn't possible if you believe what Todd White just said earlier in the program. This is why it's important. Of which it was not possible for him to be held. Like, he couldn't be held by death. Because he is the sin the spotless son of God, and he is Lord over all, and he is without corruption in any way, shape, or form. And it says, and having the very same body in which he suffered, same body, same body, holy at every single point, the same body, with the same essential properties thereof, but without mortality and other common infirmities belonging to this life, because he's sinless. Really united to his soul, he rose again from the dead the third day by his own power. And that's very important to know. By his own power. And the Westminster Large Catechism quotes from John 10, verse 18. No man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it again. This commandment I have received of my Father. So, no man taketh it from me, but I lay it down of myself. The answer goes on to say, whereby... He declared himself to be the Son of God, to have satisfied divine justice, to have vanquished death. So, this is how he was made sin for us. For us, he suffered in our place. Satisfied divine justice. To have vanquished death, because no longer is the curse of death over those who are in Christ because they're, they're viewed or seen as righteous by imputation. And him have the power of it and to be the Lord of the quick, that's an old word for living, of quick and dead, the Lord of all. All of which he did as a public person. Public person means kind of like a representative um, some people say federal head or whatever, but the head of his church, he represents the church for their justification. So because he rose from the dead, so will we in him. Part of union with Christ, quickening in grace made alive, basically. Support against enemies. So it's victorious over um, B there. says, for he must reign till he hath put all enemies under his feet. The last enemy shall be destroyed is death. That's all from 1 Corinthians 15. And to ensure them, it says, and this is the end of the answer here in question 52 of the Westminster Larger Catechism, support against enemies to ensure them of their resurrection from the dead, not the last day, to assure them. Jesus rose, read 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Jesus rose from the dead because sinless, spotless, and because he rose, we will rise. Now, if what Todd White said earlier is right, then we have no hope. He rose from the dead. It does affect the resurrection, by the way. And this is why, purely from any objective standards he shouldn't be teaching anybody and I, and I I hope and I pray that before it is too late he sees that and I hope and I pray that he trusts in the Lord and I hope and I pray that you do too it's all well and good pointing out all these errors but do you know the true Christ do you know do you love him have you bowed the knee to Christ have you trusted him and have you turned from your sin it's been Paul Flynn. Thank you so much for listening. May God bless you all.